Welcome to our new spring 2022 season. I'm joined with Mary DePippi. I'm Andrew Rimby. Hi, welcome, <laughs> Mary. Can you believe we're in our spring season? Oh my God, it's finally here. I mean, the weather. Oh, the, the weather. Content, it's the weather is beautiful. It's and a you can time feel of, it. Yes, I feel it's the rebirth, energy. Renewal. It's it's all here, and we are bringing you that with our new content. Oh, and this new episode with Taylor Ferber from Cancel mm. Me Baby. This is the energy and the spring season change we've all been wanting. So for all of you gossip, yes. pop culture fanatics, you do not want to miss this episode. We want to begin by just saying, hey, if you don't like sexual conversation, maybe you want to flip the channel and turn to one of our other episodes because we still want you to listen. But if you have children with you, they're going to be getting an education right now. So be aware. Um, but it's been so wonderful bringing Taylor on. We're definitely going to do more with Taylor in the future. So look for more Cancel Me Baby, Ivory Tower Boiler Room collab and we might be canceled from this, Mary. So <laughs> let's just right. enjoy this while we can. <laughs> Cancel us, baby. Yeah. On that note, here is our interview with Taylor Ferber. It's so interesting because I've talked about how in my latest episode with Vogue Amnesia, I talk about how just a couple of years ago, Pam Anderson was completely crucified by the media because she had politically incorrect things to say about Me Too when Me Too first started exploding. Even as a sexual assault survivor, she was assaulted like before the age of 20 multiple times. Yeah. But now five milliseconds later, she's in this show and it's just so amusing and sad how the media flip-flops because they completely forget about how much they tore her up. Yeah. And because of this show, they will hop on again, any like woke cause. So now suddenly Pam Anderson is the biggest victim. She's being exploited all over again. Why was the show even made me too? Da, da, da. And I'm literally like, she, you had a voodoo doll of her <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> like what is happening? So welcome back ivory tower boiler room listeners. This is our opener to our spring season, and it's going to be such an interesting and energizing way to open because I'm joined here with Mary first. Hi, Mary. Hello. Uh, we are into our pop culture series. So our guest with us has a lot of hot takes, and I'm sure she's going to ask Mary and I to dish the tea, the gossip, all of it. So we're joined with Taylor Ferber who from Red Carpet Insider to pop culture agent provocateur, she's ready to be canceled. So welcome, Taylor. Oh, thank you so much. I couldn't have said it better. So thank you. I worked I'm, hard on that opener. I, I am so excited. Thank you. Yeah, so Taylor is the host of Cancel Me Baby. And if you're watching our Patreon video, plug there, um, her merch is right in the back. So I know Mary and I, we need to get, mm -hmm. I want the hat. I want to wear oh, that in the, the gym. I am, I'm going to represent it, Taylor. 
I love the hat. The dad hat is definitely my favorite. And it's, I dropped new merch for the spring. I'm like, let's spice things up. I came out with some tanks, some, you know, spring aesthetic. Mm. And my show is called Cancel Me Baby. Cause it's a very, you know what? I dare you. I dare you. You know what? Come get after me. Let's go. And so I always say to people who listen to my show with my merch, it's kind of that vibe. It's like, mm-hmm. it's just that attitude of being like, you know what, take it or leave it, but here's what it is and cancel me, baby. I dare you go for it. So I want everybody to live and breathe that aesthetic wearing the merch. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, yes. and you know, I'm not getting paid for this. Maybe I should eventually, I mean, Taylor, you probably with your red carpet insider PR strategies, you know, this West Hampton beach blonde beer in honor of you, you know, Taylor, is so beautiful. Um, you. you know, I'm gay though, but still, she is very stunning. Um, I'm gonna open well, this. I beer. said to you, yeah, I said ahead. to you, I was like stud on one of your recent um IGs. I was like, okay, okay, make the straight women feel a type of white. It's fine. You know, so, though, I love it. I think all of us here we like to turn heads. I mean, Mary <laughs> is dating, so. Don't want to get you in trouble, Mary, but Taylor, you're single too, right? I'm single and I'm really, you know, that's again, I am flattered with your plug of the blondes beer because I, we may talk about this today, Pam and Tommy, but I was watching some of Pamela Anderson's interviews because I talk about her, especially with the show on my podcast, pretty free, you know, here and there. And she had this quote and it just hit my soul because she said, she talked about how people look at her as this blonde with big boobs Mm. and they think she's a moron. Mm. And she's like, it's amazing. I can just surprise people. I string a sentence together and suddenly I'm a genius. So I love it. So yeah, blonde, I'm telling you and nothing against, I mean, I'm brunette. Mary's brunette. My mom though is blonde. (laughs) Uh, Shout out to Kathy. Um, (laughs) Very, I have to say that stereotype it's actually when so many women who are blonde, I just think are so intellectual as all women, like, you know, women are very nuanced in my opinion. Um, but Marilyn Monroe, I mean, was such a voracious reader. Like once she died, all of these about 300 books came out with all her notes in them, you know, and people are so surprised, but what is the surprise? Mm-hmm. They're playing into the trope for publicity. Yeah, exactly. it's so yeah. much fun. You know who I also spoke about this with a few women on the carpet because I've done when I was a red carpet reporter, I did a lot of work in this arena and I would get into these kind of conversations. And I talked to women like Kristen Chenoweth, um, Carmen Electra, oh, yeah. and same kind of thing. They were like, it's brilliant because here I am, you know, having a thought and people think I'm Einstein. I mean, it is just the best thing ever. So, and it's really fun for me too now to play that up having my own podcast because it is, you know, it can get intellectual, but it's very, you know, witty and politically incorrect. And so it's fun to really surprise people in that way. So shout out to Pam Anderson and your beer. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, I just feel like this, you know, the Hampton Brewing Company, they need Taylor, Taylor, (laughs) Taylor for the ad. It's so funny. I do plugs on my show all the time. And I'm like, I'm not getting a dime for like, you know, where is it? I'm looking in my mailbox. Where the, where's the paycheck for this plug? Like I I'm waiting. So yes. Oh my God. Oh my God. Well, before we hit record, you were talking about Penn state and Mary and I, everyone knows here is from Jersey. Um, You know, Taylor is a Northeastern, 
you know, person, Connecticut, love it. Um, you don't have to shout out where from Connecticut. <laughs> oh, it's really not exciting, but Danbury area. Oh, I know the Danbury area. Yeah, 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 yeah. I went to New Fairfield High School and then I went to Penn State and that's how we, but yeah, it's funny because tri-state people are just my peeps. Even when I lived in LA, all my friends were from Jersey. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's actually that. what frightens me about LA is like the authenticity. Is that an issue? Like actually finding people who are blunt and mm-hmm. aren't trying to perform and one up each other? Yes. Yeah. All my, well, no, that's not true. I did have friends who were kind of like born and bred in Southern California, but they were the real ones, but yeah, it is. It was so exhausting and I'm so no bullshit. And everyone would always joke because when I was a red carpet reporter, everyone would be like networking and everyone's talking about how they like want to be a model or an actor and all this. And I was, you know, you could find me right by the kitchen where the sliders would come out. Like, I'm like, I have no time for this bullshit. Where are the tacos at this after party? Like, so in a way, I guess I found my, my people, you know, yeah, doing yeah, yeah. my thing. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And wait, where, so what did you study at Penn State? I'm just curious. Broadcast mm-hmm. journalism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How but did you, know you get what? into that? Yeah. Well, actually, this is what's funny. And um, Andrew, you'll appreciate this. So I actually, my first year at Penn State, I was majoring in elementary ed. Oh, I know. You would have been such an interesting elementary ed teacher. (laughs) I love the word choice. Interesting. But I think of it, what I'm doing now, it's kind of like a version of that, like kind of like having an impact. I'd like to think of it. No, you're educating. Yeah. That's what I love Um, about podcasts is it's always educational. Yeah. Thank you. But that's what I, um, like admire about what you do because I worked at a YMCA my first summer and I was like, I love kids. I love them. And I have such a like soft spot for kids, especially who are bullied. Cause I was bullied the underdog. So I always wanted to like help them. But after studying it for a year and working at YMCA, I was like, I don't know that I could do this all day, every day though. <laughs> so I give you, yeah, I give everyone in, you know, education, big props, but I, I had this, like, I was like, okay, I, I love the idea of that, but I don't want to do it every day. What's something that I really love. And I have this like, come to Jesus moment. And I thought about like something that was always a constant in my life was this obsession with pop culture with, I would stay up in high school, like under the sheets late at night, watching like, you know, interviews oh and God. late night talk show hosts. And so I just like completely pivoted and went into um, broadcast. And then I cursed a day ever since, because it is like, you have to be the biggest masochist to be in this business, but it is what it is. So. Yeah. And you have a minor in psychology, I think. I do. And we talk about this. We talk about Freud a lot. Thank God, because I, I always have a Freud reference in my app and thank God for Andrew. For I love it. Up on it. No, <laughs> I've written about time, Freud. I always yeah. DM him. I'm like, this was for you. I don't know if you got it. You know, I'm about <laughs> to um, actually um, the week this is coming out the next week. I should be. Yeah, I'll be in Boston and I'm presenting at an Edgar Allan Poe conference on uh, Freud and narcissism and queerness. Yeah. I love that. I wish I could go. Yeah. It's going to be provocative. Talk about provocative. They're very traditional scholars, but I got accepted. So someone there is ready. They're ready. (laughs) Maybe I should like bring my beer. That could be an interesting opener. (laughs) Yeah. But they pay you this time. No. No, Yeah. I I know. I know. Well, (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. We, I am, I'm thinking when you're talking, it's almost like a mitzvah, right? Like that's um, Hebrew for um, like doing good work or good deeds, right? And I always love Taylor when you do your mazel or like you add in some Hebrew to spice it up in your episodes. <laughs> you're representing. I try to do it in my own way, except I have failed miserably. The last time I did, I shot on a Friday and I said, I'm going to try to go to, you know, temple tonight and be a good Jewish girl, make my Friday night services. Ask me if I've stepped foot in a temple, ask me like <laughs> literally in the last, yeah. But you know what? It's the thought it's the, you know, it's the, thought it's the intention. It. It's the you intention. Know. Exactly. Oh my God. I try to do it in a way that, cause a lot of my, in my show, I talk about how everyone does the most and tries so hard to yeah. be, I hate these buzzwords, but like di diverse and this and that. And so I'll sprinkle in things. I talk about how my mom immigrated from Italy. I'll talk mm. about, you know, right. Being Jewish, all these things, but not in a way that is annoying like everyone else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Mary <laughs> comes from a very Italian American. Yes, family. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My yeah. grandparents were the one. Well, my one grandparent was a baby okay. when they came over, and then the rest were born, but it was their parents. So it was my great grandparents who had immigrated over. Okay. But uh, what part you know. of Mary? From? Um, Felito, I know, is one area. Sicily mm -hmm. and there's one more that's more up north and I can't think of the name of it. It's gonna mm -hmm. Calabria. That's what it is. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh wait, my <laughs> ancestors from Calabria, but I think that's the bottom of Italy. Yeah, it might be. Yeah, yeah. that's the bottom. <laughs> I was gonna. Yeah, I I said that's okay. I mean, on my I, podcast, I'm like I suck at geography. No. So I'm like we're not gonna don't. do a deep dive of Italy. Is basically <laughs> what's happening. Well, and yeah. you know, there's a huge debate that Sicilians are not Italians, but we don't yeah. have to touch that I with a ten foot pole. But maybe that's a hot take. I don't know. Um, so. I know Mary and I, we've been plotting this performance like all week, chatting back and forth. And Aww. I mean, how did you actually become a red carpet insider? Because mm -hmm. I love watching those interviews. Oh, thanks. Yeah. It's yeah. such a wild story. So speaking of Times Square, I worked at VH1 in Times Square wow. in the TRL building, like the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And I always knew I wanted to go to LA to pursue this. So get a load of this. So VH1, I basically said to them, I'm going with or without you. So you want to come or not? So I ended up transferring out to LA with VH1. Now, keep in mind, I knew nobody in California. I had been there for like two and a half days, basically. Like my only friend was like the guy who ran the front desk in my apartment and like, you know, the homeless guy in my corner and that's it. And then I wrote an article like what a foreshadowing of what my career would oh my be gosh. about um Chrissy Teigen calling her a Twitter hypocrite because <laughs> to make a long story short she was claiming she was being bullied and just literally being like ruthless <laughs> to these random people on the internet so I, I wrote a story calling her out and she went after me on Twitter after VH1. Wow. It was like a whole crazy thing. So it, like I said, I had just based, I was there a couple months maybe in LA and I was panicked. I was like my career, it was like cancel culture before it's time. I was like, mm. my career's over. 
you know, what am I going to do? I don't know anybody here. So it was really a fork in the road. It was either, you know, stand by your piece. Mm-hmm. It's principle, stand by your word or almost like what the apology would be today, right? Like mm-hmm. suck it up to beach one, say you're sorry. And I didn't. So Good. yeah, but look a- at Chrissy, look at, isn't it funny? I mean, look at what happened, out. her bullying and mm-hmm. like, yes. I'm, I'm sorry. Well, actually I have to not say sorry during this episode because there's going to be so many hot takes because these are our opinions. These are our truths. Um, it is so hypocritical. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of that artificiality. Like I'm doing the most and I am yeah. The most progressive. Mm-hmm. I don't, I feel like if you have to keep shouting it from the rooftop, maybe um, look at yourself. Well, I had even then in the piece, yeah, like I do on my show, I try to kind of see it from all sides and I was empathetic. And I said, it can't be fun being in the public eye and having mm-hmm. strangers attacking you. But with that said, you know, either know you're a public figure, like walk away, say how you, you know, if you want to express yourself by all means, like say, you know, I'm not going to be putting up with this, but to retaliate and almost feel the fire, it just felt hypocritical to me. So it ended up being the biggest blessing in disguise because that is what really, um, you know, pushed me into red carpet reporting. I, it was so funny. I was like, basically on my ass and I was reporting or applying for every job under the sun in entertainment. I was like, I don't even care what it is. Hmm. And I ended up um, getting a call from us weekly and they were like, you know what? You're not good for this job that we want, but you'd be great as a red carpet reporter. And then it just snowballed. Like people would see me doing my thing on the carpet. And then I was hired by, you know, vulture by, um, you know, Hollywood Reporter, all of these different, you know, I ended up doing work in Fandango, Playboy, and I launched wow. my, my own site, yeah. which is the interviews you're talking about, where I interviewed um, celebrities on a selfie stick. So it was very against the grain of the boring, like, e-red carpet interviews. It was, like, super out of the box and provocative and fun. So that's, yeah, like, so thank you for, thank you, Chrissy Teigen, because. She launched your career. Basically. That was your sex tape. <laughs> Period. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Chrissy well, and Taylor, this Hulu, Hulu series. Yeah. Hulu well, series. So like going back a little, just because I know how stream of consciousness this is, which is what I love, um, is you talked about these buzzwords. And I know um, Mary and I were talking back and forth about wokeness. Um, and I don't want to take Mary's thunder, but... You know, Mary, take it Mary. away, Mary, because you oh, had no, some thoughts yesterday about that. I was listening to your podcast. It was the most recent one that had come out about J.K. Rowling. Yeah, and I was like in the car and I was like, I need to text Andrew because I have so many opinions on this and I love this. And he immediately called me and I was like, honestly, like I, I understand like this might sound weird, but I think like our societal definition of woke is wrong and that Taylor like is the definition of woke because (laughs) you see it from both sides and it's like okay so if you're really woke how are you just only seeing it from one side I don't I'm not understanding that so here's what's so funny so I right well first of all they've completely changed and taken what like original woke was is supposed to be so that's number one but 
I did an episode back last year. It was when they had rebranded Victoria's Secret Angels and they were like, we're going to have an angel who's a size this, who has one leg, who has one eyebrow. And I was like, again, you guys are doing the most. So do you know what's so funny? I went, I was like, I feel like I did an article about this back when I was at VH1. So sure enough, I went in the archives and I had written an article for VH1. It was maybe like five or six years ago. And I was like, I am so disappointed in you, Victoria's Secret. We need to have, you know, Caitlyn Jenner, plus size, Ruby Rose, all this. And so in my episode, I'm like, who would have thought? Like I was woke before woke. And like, who would have thought I was woke? Because now I make fun of it all the time and call out how ridiculous and hypocritical and crazy it is. But you're right. It's almost like the core of what woke is supposed to be, but now they've just gone so bananas. But yeah, I mean, I, I was shocked. I was like, guys, I used to be woke. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, going so bananas, love that phrase. Um, also very phallic, but we don't have to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> Are you sure? Cause well, maybe. <laughs> I, I will say um, what's so intriguing to me is Taylor knows I have listened to that Joe Francis interview. I have watched the Joe Francis interview. I've analyzed every movement he made with you. <laughs> it is, but it's such a good understanding of psychology and almost like manipulating um, not manipulating, but like his desire is so palpable. But doesn't, so for those of you guys listening, I had on the Girls Gone Wild creator, Joe Francis on my show. And someone had warned me who had also interviewed him saying like, you know, you're internally gonna cringe and it's so like all this. And Andrew, you and I were DMing about this. It's so odd because he has this way. Yeah. It's like charming and like you're saying manipulative. And I wasn't like in my head, there were points. And even in the show, I say, I'm like, oh my God, I can't right now. I'm like rolling my eyes so hard, but it's like not um, annoying. I don't know. It's like, right. It's something like I didn't want to shut it off. I wasn't like, oh my God, stop this. I was definitely interested in what he had to say. Like I was like, I don't know, like, because it's weird. I feel like guys like him are put in this weird position of like, oh, you must be constantly objectifying women because that is literally what you do. But yet it's just, he's like, no, I genuinely love women. And this is something that they want to do. So here am I trying to give them a platform to help mm-hmm. launch this type of career that they want for themselves. But of course he gets labeled as being this like huge sexist dude. But like in that yeah. episode, he's like, I've never been me too so it's like how it's so interesting and I he said something oh it was when he says the man who has something he says like the man who has the power in Hollywood controls the pussy or something can I say pussy on here oh you can curse oh yeah go ahead control and he's like you know you Hefner used to be that guy and in my mind I was like, heads were rolling because I say to him, I'm like, I'm a feminist, like in my head. Cause I, again, another buzzword. I hate the buzzword. I hate the buzz phrase, toxic masculinity. And I remember I almost wanted to ask it, but then you know how interviews go, they go all over the place. But I remember wanting to say to him like, aha, so you're the toxic masculinity everyone's talking about. Like, is this what it is? You know, that kind of thing. But it's funny. He has this way of conveying ideas and you would think they would be so offensive, but it's so... I don't know if it's because he just doesn't give a shit or he's sincere or it's because I had so many guys reach me 
being like, oh, wow. he ain't wrong. He ain't wrong though. Like that's, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, oh, so you get a lot of like straight men DMing you. Tons, which I oh. really like because I feel like they are on the fray. Like, I feel like I talk about this on my show all the time, but I feel like, you know, the antichrist is a straight white man and they can't do anything right. And so I, I like bringing them into the fold. Yeah. It's really hey, straight white me. men out there, DM me. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, well, actually, what I was thinking though, when I was listening to Joe Francis, I thought it was really poignant and I'll curse eventually, but <laughs> adding these SAT words, I can't help it. Mary knows. Um, I'm obsessed. But it's- If only you were straight. Yeah, well, but it's like Joe Francis. He's very nuanced, articulate. Like he has a degree. I mean, he's not um, Joe Schmo. No offense to whoever Joe Schmo is. I always feel bad for that guy. But- um, that he really understands, like Mary's saying, and you say, Taylor, throughout the interview, like he understands the art of what he's doing. And when it gets to the uh, guys gone wild, I thought that was so intriguing because, um, you know, he also really knows how to market and sell. And he's said, oh no, men are buying guys gone wild. Like gay men are interested, curious men, even straight women. Because, you know, the studies show straight women really enjoy gay male pornography. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Especially um, really? like lesbian women. Okay. Really enjoy like, because apparently it's more authentic in the way that it's produced. Like there's this ah. whole area of porn studies. I have it like on my bookshelf, but like there's all these analyses of like even men who are really interested in pornography, whatever their sexuality, um, they tend to be more open to gay pornography. Like not that they're watching, but they're like, oh, that exists, which I guess mm -hmm. makes sense. Okay, hold on to that question because we'll be right back. But first, a word from our sponsor. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I guess I was okay. So I was watching Joe versus Carol yesterday because I, I had How is binged it? the Tiger King, all, you yeah. know, because I was I started out just being fascinated, like at the beginning of quarantine, just being like, who are these people who own these like crazy, huge, oh like God. exotic animals? Like, who are these people? Um, but I love Kate McKinnon. So I was like, I have to watch this series. And there's one part where it's talking about Joe getting together with his first husband, I think John, who was a straight man. And he goes to him. So he's like, so you watch porn, right? And of course the guy's like awkward. He's like, yeah. It's like, so when you watch porn, do you like the guy to have a big dick or a little dick? And he's like a big one, I guess. He's like, well, you ain't that straight. So <laughs> I guess it kind of makes it. I don't know. Cause I can't say that there are many men who would be like, yeah, I'd prefer to watch porn with a dude with a small dick. So mm -hmm. I don't know. Taylor I mean, has I a hot take. See that. 
Well, no, I'm just, first of all, I'm absorbing it all because I had never really thought about all this, but it's also interesting because there is such a narrative about, which there's truth in, um, about porn, like how it's, you know, the male gaze and how it objectifies women, how it's not realistic and how it teaches young boys about sex in a way that's like, you know, not maybe what women want and all this. So Mm -hmm. I feel like it almost, I don't know. I'm trying to decide in my head, Andrew, if it like coincides or contradicts with what. I mean, are you about to watch like gay porn after this interview? (laughs) Really? Because I'm like, huh? Yeah. Well, it's I'm intrigued. Yeah, I think what it's intriguing about it is, um, well, I just love how we're like on an analysis of porn, but I knew something was going to happen. But it is why I think it's so important to analyze porn because. It's the number one consumed media for learning about your sexuality or what you like. And like you're saying, Taylor, about um, sex ed, it comes from, you know, porn. So you weren't surprised when he, when I said, because I was kind of making the case for, I can't, like, how has guys gone wild? Now I'm talking from like a straight woman point of view, but because this is what I talk about with him is how men are, um, you know, visual creatures in a way that women necessarily aren't like, not to say we're not, but you know what I mean, Mary, it's like Mm -hmm. a different vibe. And so that's why like, even like girls, even straight girls are turned on by like hot naked women. Right. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, I don't know. I actually kind of beg to differ with what Joe Francis was saying about women. Like, I don't know, even like the idea of like the Magic Mike show and like, I don't know. I feel like for us, it's kind of like cheeky and silly. It's not yeah. like- It's campy. It's yeah. like, oh, let's have our bachelorette yeah. party. Right. Yeah. And it's yeah, like yeah. that kind of idea with guys gone wild too. It's like, I couldn't see myself. I don't, but that's just me. I mean, I'm not speaking for all women, but that's just me. But um, yeah, it would know. It would be more probably yeah. like the spectacle of it is what you're saying. Like a Vegas strip show or- Yeah. It's an event. I think, it's an event. I think there's a truth in how men- look look at sexual like straight or gay I remember this awesome conversation I had with Lance Bass and his husband on the red carpet Mm -hmm. and we were talking about this very thing here's a perfect example and he's like listen like by the way again cancel culture before it's time like I would ever be able to have these conversations on the red carpet now right but he (laughs) talks about how um gay men uh, have age gaps more often and oh, yeah. cheat more because he says on camera, he's like, we're just, we're men, we're visual creatures. It's just, you know, it's just kind of how we are and how we roll. And I totally Damn. agree with that. I think with women, it's more whatever. Like a lot of women don't like to hear this, but it, it's true. Like we like the story and the setup mm-hmm. and the thing. And it's like, guys will like fuck this bottle. You know what I mean? Yes. It's just like a different. You should see my grinder, Taylor. And you will. <laughs> Talk about visual, not for with me, but just in general. But um, what do you, I mean, no, go I, ahead. Let's am discuss I totally grinder. off base here? No, no. I mean, like even no. grinder is, you know, I feel that a, it gets to sex right away. Like, or not even really? just having sex, but it's like that idea and the fantasy is even just like how you make a connection. Like even with my gay friends, like it first, it usually first started with some kind of interest, like, oh, we could have sex, but you know, 
now we won't do it because of such and such. But like, it is a topic of conversation right away. And again, I don't want to paint a broad brush, but it's very common. And the age gap, I mean, you know, I, my first sexual experience, like, um, losing my virginity. I'm like, oh, wait, this is right. Who's going to be listening? But it's fine. I'm okay with it because it's very common. Like you're saying, Taylor, I lost my virginity to someone who was 30. And I like in his 30s, early 30s, and I was 17. Mm -hmm. But like, that's a common. Actually, when we interviewed Robert Jones Jr., Mary, the author, Mm -hmm. he said the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because when Lance Bass and I were talking about it, so I've had an on and my on and off guy is twice my age. And we were talking about it because with straight people, it's such a stigma. And that was his point, how in the gay community, it's like, you go like, because I think he and his husband have a, have a bit of an age gap, but you know, it's that idea of the, you know, the differences there and all that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I like need to search all these like celebrity gay couples and see the age gap. (laughs) Cause I think you're right. There's a lot that have an age gap. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um I okay. Well, gap. talking I'm about sex. Let's talk about <laughs> Pam and Tommy because it's all set up around I got done the first episode, but I actually really want to watch it. Like it is a show. I just want to inject it. Like because it's so intriguing. Yes. Um so thank you for the recommendation, Taylor. I'm so glad. And it's so refreshing because I feel like it's like what why I got into entertainment. And we've lost so much of that because everything is so goddamn preachy and fitting a quota and trying to get a social message, a point, uh, a social point across, sorry. And with Pam and Tommy, it's sexy, but it's smart. It makes you think it's a serious topic, but it's also that like nineties, you know, sex icon nostalgia. And I feel like what I love about it too, so many shows now are so self-indulgent and gluttonous and they will be like an hour and 20 minutes per episode for 1700 seasons. And I'm like, bitch, I have a life to lead. So with this, they're half an hour episodes. You're in, you're out. You know, I think it was like only eight episodes long and it leaves you wanting more. And doesn't that go back to the sex thing? It's like, we all like leave us wanting more, you know, everyone now is so self-indulgent. So yes, you're going to like it. Yeah. Yeah. Narcissism is rampant in our society. (laughs) It's rampant. No, it really is. For real. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. But I know Mary, you got through a lot of Pam and Tommy, didn't you? Well, no, I mean, not a lot, but I got to episode three. (laughs) But what I appreciate, not only just in Pam and Tommy, but like in a couple other shows that I've been watching in general is like the penis is free. I am seeing penis penis on television it is making me so happy because for all the longest time it was like it was all about the tits always all about the boobs everyone wanted to see the you know the topless shots and things like that not me and even in like one of was it the second um sex in the city movie where you kind of saw like the profile side of that one dude who's in the shower like and i was just like that is such a tease this is rude. I don't like this. Show me the full thing. So like with Pam and Tommy and the couple other shows that I've been watching, like Euphoria and things like that, oh, yeah. I'm like, thank you. Thank you. Stop with this double sided or this not double sided, but this one sided one-sided thing. Does it turn meeting. you on, Mary, though? Um, Depends. Hmm. 
Um, so like in Pam and Tommy, yes, just because the guy Sebastian who plays Tommy is absolutely sexy. Wait, I didn't see it yet. Like, Wait, when does that happen? Mary? There's Second a whole episode. scene oh, yeah. when is are you talking about the penis talking? Yes. Scene? Oh my gosh, yeah. that was hilarious. Wait, what episode is this? I'm like, okay, I gotta like get to this now. I think it's the beginning of episode three. Oh, okay. I want to say either end of episode two, beginning of episode yet. three. And he like literally has this whole conversation with his cock and his oh. cock talks back. <laughs> it's like, do we have to do this? Like, don't tell me you're in love. No, come on. Oh my God. Let's keep this pussy train going. Why yeah. are you putting on the brakes? Like it is hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. It's interesting though. That's why I ask if you get turned on and it goes back into what I was talking about earlier. It's like, again, I just feel like there's something different about, and how do I want to say this? There's something different about like when I see, I think I said this to Joe Francis, but it's like, I mean, like, listen, I love men, love a good D, but it's like, I don't know. I don't get like, if I see it just like hanging out, I'm not like, oh, that's hot. like, I don't know. Right. It's just a different, exactly. It's just a di- Even when I asked you, I was like, is it hot? You're like, think hmm, about like, it. You have to think about it. Yeah. It's like different things. I feel like with, with, um, men, it's like, I don't know, for me, it's like the jaw and the arms and, you know, like that whole thing. I'm not like, Oh, look at their, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? And with women, it's like the boobs, the butt. So yeah. that's like yeah, yeah. also how it's totally different. Mm-hmm. But also what I appreciate about Tam- Pam and Tommy is how, um, the, the nudity is even. So mm-hmm. you see her boobs, his, cause some shows again, now like trying too hard to be woke, they'll like only show guys ass. I think like maybe Bridgerton did this and I love Bridgerton, but it's like, mm-hmm. I, you could tell they're trying to make a point. And so they'll only yeah. show like the guy's ass and it's like, all right, like yeah, yeah. spread, spread the love. Well, wait, who, yeah. who created Bridgerton? Was it Shonda Rhimes? Shonda Rhimes. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She talks about that. Cause I was listening, they have like an exclusive podcast. And I remember like her saying, we're going to flip the male gaze. Yeah. So and that's it's exactly I mean. it's like, well, and then, and, and just yeah. like that, there's no nudity at all. Or maybe there's like one seat. I mean, <laughs> I think it just like that is devoid of any sexuality. That show should not have been brought into existence. And I hate to, you know, I'm such a free expression, like creative freedom girl, except when it comes to that. No, I'm just going <laughs> to put, put that back in quarantine. No, but someone said to me, they're like, the only sex scene we had is like, Miranda's high school son with the girlfriend, like something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's just tragic. Yeah, it's the like- son. Oh, and also like her finger bang. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where Carrie has to go to the bathroom and like pees in a cup. I'm telling you. But, oh, and no. I said to Mary and Taylor that section where Charlotte's trying to explain how to use a tampon. I'm like, what is going on? Mortifying, Mm -hmm. mortifying. And this is the thing. It's like, I'll watch interviews with the cast and creators and they try to pat themselves on the back being like sex in the city was always pushing the envelope. And it's like, of course, that's what made it so iconic and, you know, broke the, you know, paved the way for so many other shows, but this ain't it. Like I do not need a tampon tutorial. Uh, There's no sex in this sex in the city. Like it's just- And then Charlotte like has- her um period again and like oh, has blood Jesus. coming from her pants oh and oh no i'm like but it's not even about oh, that no. i think what it is to me i said this to mary we lost the sexiness with samantha it's like and then i realized oh, no. wait i really love samantha like to she's me my favorite. she's the heart her and miranda they were Sex- my two favorites yeah, her and yeah. miranda they are my favorites yeah yeah and there is that one part in the show where Carrie talks about the diaphragm incident. 
I don't know if either of you got to yes, that, yes, yes, yes. Where Samantha had to pull it out for her, and she mentions her full name. So of course, I think it's Charlotte or Miranda who's like, maybe you should text her and just like let her know that like you said her full name. But whoever did like the dialogue for like the text, I was like, yes, this is absolutely Samantha because she's like one of my finest moments. And I'm just yeah. like, yeah, that's such a Samantha thing. And I was You're just right. like, why is she not in the show? Well, I mean, I know, we why, know like, why we know the beat. we know why, but like, <laughs> they should have just no. pulled a Pam and Tommy left it where it was left the I people know. wanting more. They had no business. They had no mm-hmm. business trying to <laughs> trying to do this and yeah. make it what it was. I didn't so get... many ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, oh, and that butt scene and that. Oh, what is I forget the actor's name, but. You know who I'm talking about, the one in in the the first Sex in the City. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But again, like everything I loved in the Sex in the City, the first movie was Kim Cattrall's storyline. I was like, show me Los Angeles again. (laughs) Like, take me to what she's doing. And now that you bring that up, because I know exactly what scene you're talking about when she's out in LA on her beach house and the guy's taking a shower and like you see a little of his dick, right? Mm -hmm. So that, I talk about this on my show often too. With the male nudity, that's a time when it's like, oh, like it's just enough. It's intriguing. We didn't see it often. And so it kind of, Mary, like goes into what we were just saying. It's Mm -hmm. like, and this is something I grapple with on my show a lot. It's like, now has it become, it's kind of falling on deaf ear. You know, it's just, it's not making an impact because everyone's trying too much. Is it that, you know, like, which is it? It's like, Mm -hmm. is it that we're really kind of evening the score, so to speak, or is it that like nothing is edgy now because everything's trying too mm. hard? Mm. Like that's when it's like, oh, it's like it was a little, you know, something, and now it's like, okay, I get it. You guys are yeah, yeah, yeah. the point. <laughs> yeah, and for and just like that, what I really could tell, I love like I will analyze any media teaching, but I will not analyze that. Like I am. I I told Mary I only got through the end of the series because of this interview. I'm like, so I was so distracted watching it. I'm like, or not even distracted. I'm like texting. I'm looking at things. And I still understood what was happening because the storyline just doesn't progress. Instead, just to spoil it for everyone, Carrie, um, if I remember right, oh, spreads Big's ashes in Paris. Oh, what? Bleak. Which is so. I was just like, this is what? the ending. Like, I wish I was actually spreading ashes instead of watching this show. Because <laughs> That's like... going to be the line picked up from this interview. <laughs> I wish I was. Spreading it's true, ashes. though. It's like Rather the things spreading. I could have been doing. Oh, and then no. she. Oh, and mm-hmm. then she messages Samantha again. This whole text messaging is like, oh, because Samantha's supposed to be in London because, right, she's a publicist. Um, oh, can I meet you, Samantha, for a drink tomorrow? And Samantha responds, I'll see you there. And I'm like, what is this? No. <laughs> like, and again, Kim Cattrall made a good decision. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I think she's on a really popular show right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Talk it's about the- life mm-hmm. choices, fork in the road, picking the right path. Yes. Yeah, go, yeah. Go Kim oh, Cattrall, my God. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I very... Well, back to Pam and Tommy, just because I'm curious, talking about visuals and you say like you're not as turned on with just nudity in general, Taylor. Um, Have you seen the tape? You know what? I haven't. And it's so funny because I keep it's almost like I keep meaning to, but I just 
Don't. Yeah, it's like on your Google calendar. Yeah. Pam and Tommy sex tape. Yeah. I don't know. Have you guys? I have. I have. I've seen it. it. I'll be honest. I've seen it. Is it like? I saw it when I was in high school. Oh, okay. Yeah. What's yeah. the sitch? Is it, you know, really? They're on like a, I think they're on a yacht. If I remember yeah. right. Right. Yeah, yes. yeah. And it's kind of like hard to even pick out like the body parts if I remember it right like it's blurry and it's like she's just lounging on the yacht and I'm sure they do a rec um they recreate it I'm sure in the scene like little parts Mm -hmm. little parts yeah but I don't think they go you know balls to the wall no pun intended because really the message of the story talks about the exploitation and celebrity privacy and all that so I felt like it was just enough because they gave you a little like little snippets but it wasn't again like exploiting it all over again so well and it's mostly not sex like that's the whole thing well that's not sex Mm -hmm. yeah the majority of it it's like maybe three minutes out of like 50, 40 minutes. I forget. It's a lot of just like them chatting and. Right. Right. It's so interesting because I've talked about how in my latest episode with Vogue Amnesia, I talk about how just a couple of years ago, Pam Anderson was completely crucified by the media because she had politically incorrect things to say about Me Too when Me Too first started exploding. Even as a sexual assault survivor, she was assaulted like before the age of 20 multiple times. But now five milliseconds later, she's in the show and it's just so amusing and sad how the media flip-flops because they completely forget about how much they tore her up. And because of this show, they will hop on again, any like woke cause. So now suddenly Pam Anderson is the biggest victim. She's being exploited all over again. Why was the show even made me too? Da, da, da. And I'm literally like, she, you had a voodoo doll of her <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> like what is happening? So but how is she being exploited? Like what's their narrative? Like how is she being exploited in this? Well, series? here's what's Here's what's interesting. They're saying, and I've read pieces, you know, in CNN and Vanity Fair and Vogue, mm. right? And they all kind of have the same gist, but it's saying that it's exploiting her all over again because Pam Anderson wasn't involved in the series. So she didn't necessarily give her stamp of approval and how it's, you know, the show is made by men and it, it shows men being toxic and, you know, just, they're just finding issues with it. Mm. And What's so interesting is how I, again, I think it has a, it, it, it has such a great message and it makes Pam Anderson the hero as it should. Like you empathize with her so much. And there's also like so many kick-ass women, but like, like Belle has directed episodes and it's like, wh- where is the hype for all that? Like, they're so selective about, you know, what the narratives they go down. It's just so sad. Mm. So. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, well, first when I found out Pam Anderson was now she's going to be Roxy Hart starting on April 14th in Chicago, the musical, um, I'm going to see her. Like Mary and I already are mm-hmm. figuring I out tickets. I said, I'm going. We want you to come, Taylor. I would be so So excited. I need to know. We need to know all fair. We're not going to do this when everyone's <laughs> listening, but we're going to figure out when to see Pamela Anderson because I do. She is so good at creating a character. And I just remember, okay, another hot topic. And they have a whole segment called Hot Topics, The View. I remember when she was on The View and I fell for her so much because they all were gunning for her. Like, I remember everyone was gunning for her. 
and everyone can look it up when she's defending Julian Assange because she was with him. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. she was, yeah. Mm-hmm. She had like a relationship with him. Yeah. I don't know if she still does. Yeah. But, um, and she had these points about, you know, he was bringing up, um, you know, things that were corrupt and it just didn't fit the narrative that they wanted. And, you know, Megan McCain kept like just talking over her and like, I think at one point almost tries to equate Pamela Anderson to a terrorist. I'm just like, what is going on? Oh my God, I can That show, that show, they always, well, she brought drama though, Megan McCain. So I appreciated that. Here's <laughs> a hot, hot take. Yeah. So interestingly enough, and here's what I mean about like the hypocritical, you know, woke, whatever you want to call it, media. You're seeing this happen twice now, like Pam Anderson, because I've seen people shit on the fact that she's going to be in Chicago. They're like, she can't even act. She's such a what? She's just like thirsty for this, you know, comeback she's having again and like hating on her, right? And now that I'm thinking about it, it's kind of like everyone hating on Kim Kardashian, which she said this week, which I didn't, I was like, I salute you, girl. Like I did not have a problem with it. But again, it's just so, it's just interesting because the same people who are like, yay, women, yay, rah, rah, they'll, you know, tear said women down at the chance. So it's like, can we just live or not? Like, can you just take Kim Kardashian's, you know, statement and not take it as a personal attack on your life? Like, Mm -hmm. honestly, get, get a life. So it's just interesting, you know? Yeah. Well, like also why? Like it's even with um, what happened with you with Chrissy Teigen on Twitter. I mean, thank, like you said, hallelujah that she like started your pathway in a way, but um, why are they even responding on Twitter? Like, I don't even get it. Like if I was that prominent and had that public face, like I would just have my boundary up and be like, okay, someone has something to say. Like I always say to Mary, you're doing something well when you have your critics. I've been reflecting on this lately because I had perhaps one of my um, most high profile, um, celeb- you know, celebrities, arguable word, but but high profile people on my show, Dave Portnoy, who founded Barstool. And that was a good interview, epi- Taylor. You changed you. my opinion. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. And it's one of my episodes that got the most, you know, buzz. Obviously, Dave Portnoy is huge. And, you know, I got hate on it, uh, you know, but on stupid things. Like if it was about the substance, I don't care. That's the point of my show. I want to ruffle feathers and get people thinking, but they were coming out after, you know, how I sounded and this and that. And it really hurt my, I was like, Oh my God. And I have to tell you guys, I had a little reflective moment about Christy Teigen. I was like, hold on. Like, it's not so easy to just, you know, walk it, walk it off. But I thought about, cause every time I saw it, like a mean thing, I, I was this close now, again, this is why I called her a hypocrite. Cause I would never fight it with the same thing or be a bully or any of that. My way is either ignoring it or I'll say some like kind of sassy thing back at them. Like, oh, when you have your hour long sit down with Dave Portnoy, let me know. I will be the first to watch it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But it's funny because it really, there were a couple times when I went and to be like, should I respond? Should I respond? And I put the phone down like Taylor, no, don't do it. So 
not that it made me empathize with her because I stand by it, but it definitely, I was like, okay, I could see how this would, you know, get under your skin, you know? So yeah, yeah. You internalize mm -hmm. it. Of course. I mean, it feels like a slight against you. Like I always say, right. We should all acknowledge what upsets us, but it's like what you're saying, Taylor, what do you do after? Like, right. cause I know, um, listening to um david yontev like he actually will just say thanks for listening because <laughs> it's true it's the best i try to yeah. model the david yontev yeah approach because he that's what i'll do i'll be like this lady i put up on international women's day a reel about my merch and she wrote on it like how stupid or something and i was like can't wait for your purchase like, I'll do <laughs> like i look forward to seeing your receipt you know so that's just you know, yeah. that's Wait, Mary, you way. just had this. You have to bring it up. You just had someone put like vomit emojis as a comment. Oh, yeah. It was because I did a, I have a true crime series with the Ivory Tower Boiler Room called True Crime in Academia. And of course, one of the biggest cases was the Amanda Knox case. And I had someone like comment like a nausea emoji and a vomiting emoji. And I was just like, is that like, the episode just came out, so I highly doubt you listened to it. So is this about Amanda or and I was just like, all right, I'm not even going to go into this because I could just be like, OK, thank you for your very wrong opinion. Clearly, you didn't listen to the facts if you're making <laughs> those assumptions yeah. and giving me those yeah. emojis. But, you know, it's interesting because I had one guy who commented on YouTube on my Dave Portnoy Oh. uh interview and he said something like you know i'm just gonna stick to the you know dave dave's own shows from now on like i couldn't even get through two minutes and i wrote back because my intros of my shows are very like kind of like frivolous it's like a warm-up and then i put, you know pack a punch and 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 for people who don't listen to my show they may not know that so he said something like you know i can't even get through the first two minutes and i wrote back to him and i was like that's too bad because it was a good conversation and he actually, a couple of days later was like, you know what? You're right. I went back and I listened to the whole thing. And, you know, so. Yeah. And then you, you were Just... with him for drinks at night. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> He's now my pen pal. No, but... <laughs> but, you know. Yeah, yeah but well, like know. what I really enjoyed about that interview is, um, again, I had my preconceived notions as we all do. Like what I love about Cancel Me Baby is it always makes me think about, okay, well, what are my beliefs and what do I hold? And even with your JK Rowling discussion, you know, like, I just don't really want to engage with her, but also I'm not going to deny that she really created a cultural phenomenon. I mean, like, I'm not going to say, oh no, Harry Potter never existed. I mean, of course, I remember the Universal Studios Harry Potter. I loved getting my butterbeer and, you know, all that merchandise. But again, I'm just not going to, like, I, I recognize that she really did something, like you say, she did something so profound. And it's okay to admit that, mm -hmm. you know? But you could still disagree with her opinion. It's like both of these, you can juggle both of these balls at the same time. It's yeah. why I am so proud and why I do my show because everyone is so 
damn annoying. It's either everything is left, everything is right, everything is JK Rowling is a is is a perfect specimen. JK Rowling is the Antichrist. Like everything and everyone is in their own little box. And it's not black and white. And that's what I really, and that's why my show is called cancel me baby, because I could get shit from the left. I could get shit from the right. I could get shit from people who are listen to my show. And that's the point. It's like, but nothing is black and white. So let's really look at it. I mean, even when I spoke up about the Kim Kardashian thing saying, I don't care about what she said. First of all, she's right. Everyone is lazy and no one wants to work. It's not a personal attack on you. And this is someone, you know, this is coming from someone who struggles day to day in my entrepreneurial effort. Like it's, you know, by no means do I come from the same background as her, but you know, and people said to me, well, this goes against your whole thing of, you know, celebrities preaching and being, you know, hypocritical and they should just stay in their lane. And I'm like, but that's the point. Like, just because I said it once, that has to be it all the time. It has to apply to every single situation. Mm. Like, it's just, life doesn't work that way. So it's really fun too, because I feel like when people listen to my show, they think I'm going to sometimes say something about a situation and I say something totally different. And they're like, whoa, I didn't expect that coming from you. But it's like, that's life. Like, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. what makes it interesting that we change our mind. We have different ideas, different situations are, you know, so. Yeah. 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 And the binary of the boxes, right? The left, the right. Wow. I feel such a rush of energy after hearing our first part, Mary, we have more with Taylor. Mm -hmm. So, you know, everyone stay tuned because on Friday we're releasing part two. So make sure you set an alarm. You Mm -hmm. do not want to miss the madcap antics that we've had with Taylor. Um, Oh, no. And what's really exciting is, you know, head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash ivory tower boiler room to get exclusive content. And I am really excited because this is a great video. I know Mary was there, so she knows how wonderful it is to see Taylor with her cancel me baby merch. Um, So head to our Patreon. You're going to get our exclusive video. All you have to do is become a subscriber starting at that iced coffee price of $5 a month. And Mary, do you want to tell everyone how else they can follow us on social media? Yeah, I mean, you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. On Twitter, we are the Ivory Boiler Room. And just search the Ivory Tower Boiler Room on Facebook and you can join our, you can like our page. Exactly. Um, So thank you to the team. I can't do it without all of you. It's so wonderful to direct this machine of the Boiler Room. Um, So in the ivory tower because i love that image mary de is our chief contributor jara nusta is our marketing director and our two interns who we love are uh kim dallas and nicole arguello and it's so amazing to feature what we're going to play out to blame it on the alcohol sung wrapped by jamie fox featuring t-pain um from jay records so on that note Let's kick off our spring season. Welcome, everyone. Woo, bringing it back old school, baby. Blame it on the booze.